take your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Judges, Judges chapter number 9, Judges chapter number 9, uh, where we're going to be at tonight, in Judges chapter number 9. Uh, last week, we, uh, we were preaching out of Judges 8, where uh, we had gone through and we had the tribe of Ephraim and how they were uh, very uh, arrogant and prideful, or they always wanted to have the... Uh, the fruits of the labor, but they didn't want to work for it. Uh, they didn't want to do what was required to do to get the job done. Uh, when it came time for battle, they would turn and run. But when the victory was proclaimed, they wanted to get some glory. And uh, they wanted to have the glory out of it. And that's not how things are intended to be. Uh, the glory is not supposed to be ours. The glory is supposed to be the Lord's. And uh, but Gideon was wise in how he responded to them. If you remember, he went to the tribe of Ephraim and they said, how come you didn't call us to the battle uh, and all these things? And he said, what are you talking about? You got Oreb and Zeb, the princes of uh, the Midianites. And uh, he, uh, he confirmed that they did that and they did a good work. And he, they, they began to strut their stuff and say, you're exactly right. We did that, Gideon. You reminded us of that. And uh, that's kind of how they acted in all of these things. And um, we saw that how... You know, they like to have that glory, they like to have that honor about themselves, but uh, that's not what God intends. God intends us to give glory to the Lord, and all the victory that they won, all the victory that Gideon did, they were faint, yet pursuing them. They were tired, they were weary, but yet they kept on going on, doing what they were supposed to do. And uh, here we come to chapter number 9, and uh, starting in verse number 1, it said, And Abimelech, the son of Jerubbabel, went to Shechem unto his mother's brethren and communed with them and with all the family of the house of his mother's, uh, of his mother's father, saying, Speak, I pray you, in the ears of all the men of Shechem, whether it, uh, whether it is better for you either that all the sons of Jerubbabel, which are threescore and ten persons, reign over you, or that one reign over you. Remember also that I am your bone and your flesh." And his mother's brethren spake unto him in the ears of all the men of Shechem and all these words, and their hearts inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, He is our brother. And they gave him threescore and ten pieces of silver out of the house of Baal-bareth, wherewith Abimelech hired vain and light persons which followed him. And he went into his father's house at Ophrah and slew his brethren, the sons of Jerubbabel, being threescore and ten persons, upon one stone notwithstanding yet Jotham the youngest son of Jerubbabel was left for he hid himself and all the men of Shechem gathered together in all the house of Milo and went and made Abimelech king by the plain of the pillar that was in Shechem and when they told Jotham he went and stood on the top of Mount Gerzim and lifted up his voice and cried and said unto them hearken unto me ye men of Shechem that God may hearken unto you. Now, Jotham's getting ready to give a parable and talk about uh, his brothers and all of those that were just killed by Abimelech and all of those things. But verse 15, look what, or verse 14 and 15, look what it says. Then said all the trees unto the bramble, Come thou and reign over us. And the bramble said unto the trees, If in truth ye anoint me king over you, then come and put your trust in my shadow. And if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. I'm going to preach a message to you tonight called the Bramble King. The Bramble King. And we'll 
uh, get through that here this evening and talk about some things in this passage, and you'll see what we're talking about by the end of the service. Let's pray, Lord. We love you. Thank you for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be here tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll use the message, speak to hearts. I pray that you'll help us, Lord, to give honor and glory to you in all that's said and done. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for the Word of God. Thank you for how you speak to our hearts. Thank you for how you, you change us and mold us and shape us into what it is that you want us to be. Lord, I pray that we'll be sensitive to your word. I pray that uh, you'll help us to continue to see visitors coming, that we'll see souls saved and lives changed. And uh, Lord, may you be highly exalted this Christmas season and throughout all the ministries that we have here at Faith Baptist Church, Lord, that you'll be lifted up and glorified. And we'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. In this passage of scripture, we hear about Gideon. I want you to jump back up to verse 8 so we can kind of... Um, look at some of these things uh it says this in verse 28 it says actually verse 27 and Gideon made an ephod thereof and put it in his city even in Ophrah and the Israel and thither went a whoring after it which thing became a snare unto Gideon and to his house thus Midian subdued before the children of Israel so they lifted up their heads no more and the country was in quietness forty years in the days of Gideon and Jerubbabel, the son of Joash, went and dwelt in the house, uh, went in his own house. And Gideon had threescore and ten sons uh, of his only, uh, and Gideon, sorry, had threescore and ten sons of his body begotten, for he had many wives. And his concubine that was in Shechem, she also bare him a son, whose name was called Abimelech. And Gideon, the son of Joash, died in a good old age and was buried in the sepulcher of Joash's father and Orpah and the Abizurites. And it came to pass, as soon as Gideon was dead, that the children of Israel turned again and went a-whoring after Balaam and after Belbareth, their god. And the children of Israel remembered not their, uh, their god, who had delivered them out of the hands of their enemies on every side. Neither showed they kindness to the house of Jerubbabel, namely Gideon, according to all the goodness which he had showed unto Israel. Now, when you see the word Jerubbabel here, we're talking about Gideon, okay? Uh, that's another name there that's given to Gideon. That's who we're talking about. He had 70 sons, uh, many different children that he had, and Abimelech was one of them. And Gideon uh, did right. It said, and the people had rest for uh, 40 years under Gideon's reign. But it seems like the pattern that we see throughout the nation of Israel and every time the leader is gone, every time the leader passes off the scene, they begin to go back after false gods. They begin to turn away from the God of their fathers. They turn away from uh, the God of Israel, and they go back to worshiping these false gods and these false idols. Israel had a problem. They usually put their trust in man, not God. Israel's problem was they followed after the spirituality or the uh, direction of a leader rather than in the direction of God. And as Gideon followed God and they began to follow him, uh, when Gideon went off the scene, uh, then all of a sudden they turned their back on God. Listen, this is a lesson that we need to understand is that it's not the pastor that ought to dictate your spirituality. Just so you understand that. You ought to know God in a personal way for yourself. Uh, there's going to be times in your life that people in your life are going to come and people in your life are going to go, but that's not what ought to dictate whether you follow God or not. You've got to be faithful and follow the Lord. 
See, the nation of Israel turned their back all the time. If you read through the book of Judges, all the time that God would uh, find, uh, show them grace and they would cry out to him and he would send a deliverer and that, that judge would come and help lead them back towards God and get them back in the way they should go. And when they died, they said they turned away from God again. And here we are, the same thing. Gideon uh, was there. He was leading them, and they had rest for 40 years. They were following after God. They were doing the things they were supposed to do, and Gideon dies. And when Gideon dies and he's buried, it said that they went a whoring after Balaam and turned back to the false gods and did all these things. And now here, one of Gideon's children, one of his 70 sons, uh, through his concubine that was there in Shechem named Abimelech, Abimelech comes and uh, was now trying to basically go through politics. He was basically trying to uh, present himself and debate himself up to be king. He didn't want to have all of the brethren rule, all the people of Gideon rule. He wanted to be the leader. And he begins to petition the people of Shechem and all the people there saying, listen, you don't want 70 sons to rule over you. You just want one. And I'm of your your tribe. I'm of the, I'm of you. And uh I'm one of those of Shechem, and uh, the name Abimelech means uh, my father is king. And he tried to go forward, and he really was using that, what his name was. He was using that as, listen, my, Gideon was the judge. Gideon was the one that was leading you. Now I ought to be the one to follow. And Gideon was try, or, and Abimelech was trying to uh, bring himself up and lift himself up in that. And uh, he begins to gain support. Uh, by speaking to the men of Shechem, and they offer their support and give him 70 pieces of silver. And you think, okay, well, they give him 70 pieces of silver, and now he's going to do some good things with it, right? Well, when he gets these, he hires these thugs to massacre his brethren, to kill them all so that there's none left that could challenge him. But it says Jotham hides, and uh, Jotham gets away, and the youngest son of Gideon escaped by hiding himself from these oppressors, and after the slaughter now, the men of Shechem gather together, they declare Abimelech king, and now here we are, we're coming to this place starting in verse number 7, where Jotham is giving a parable. Jotham is getting ready to give us a parable about some things that we're going to see here in this passage of Scripture. Starting in verse number 7, it says, And when they told Jotham, he went and stood in the top of Mount uh, Gerizim and lifted up his voice and cried and said unto them, Hearken unto me, ye men of Shechem, that, uh, ye men of Shechem, that God may hearken unto you. The trees went forth on a time to anoint a king over them. And they said unto the olive tree, Reign thou over us. But the olive tree said unto them, Should I leave my fatness wherewith? By me, the honor, uh, they honor God and man and, and go to be promoted over the trees. And the trees said unto the fig tree, Come thou and reign over us. But the fig tree said unto them, Should I forsake my sweetness and my good fruit and go and be promised uh, uh, and be promoted over the trees? Then said the trees unto the vine, Come thou and reign over us. And the vine said unto them, Should I leave my wine and cheereth God and man, and go to be promoted over the trees. Then all the trees said unto the bramble, Come now and reign over us. And the bramble said unto the trees, If in truth ye anoint me king over you, then come and put your trust in my shadow. And if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. He said, Now therefore, if ye have done truly 
and sincerely, and that ye have made Abimelech king, and if ye have dwelt well with Jerubbabel in his house, and have done unto him according as thou deser- uh, deserving of his hand, for my father fought for you, and, adventure, uh, and adventured his life far, and delivered you out of the hand of Midian, and ye are risen up against my father's house this day, and have slain his sons, threescore and ten persons, upon a stone, and have made Abimelech the son of a, a maidservant king over the men of Shechem, because he is your brother." He says then in verse 19, If ye then have dwelt truly and sincerely with Jerubal and with his house this day, then rejoice ye in Abimelech, and let him also rejoice in you. But if not, let fire come out of from Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem and the house of Milo, and let fire come out, out from uh, the men of Shechem and from the house of Milo and devoureth Abimelech. And Joseph ran away and fled and went, uh, went to Beer and dwelt there for fear of Abimelech, his brother. So here Jotham is giving a parable. Gideon, uh, his other surviving son, hears what the Shechemites have done and the endeavors to try to, he tries to change their mind about having Abimelech over them. He gives them a parable in this passage of scripture that he's talking about. He, he didn't want the people to appoint a man of such low character. He understood that Abimelech's character was not that that should be leading the nation of Israel. He understood that Abimelech's character was not something that was honoring to God. He knew also that a man of poor character would make a poor ruler. He understood that, and Jotham's beginning to try to teach them and help them. And there's a lesson we can learn from this, is that corrupt character creates confusion, it creates complications, and it creates corruption. That's what happens in the nation of Israel. Whenever you have someone who has corrupt character who's trying to lead, it creates confusion, it creates complications, and it creates corruption. Listen, that's why it's so important that we as leaders, uh, adults in our life, we live a godly, holy life so that the next generation to follow sees leadership that's not corrupt, sees leadership that's not causing confusion, sees leadership that's not causing contradictions to the Word of God. See, Jotham was uh, giving this parable about the sons of Gideon. And he's referring to the Israelites as trees and wanting them to reign o- uh, have someone reign over them. And he talks about the olive tree and he talks about uh, all of these other things, the fig and uh, the vine. And then he talks about the bramble. And we're going to talk, he, he likens the character of Abimelech to a bramble. If you notice, he says there in verse 14, Then said all the trees unto the bramble, Come thou and reign over us. And the bramble said unto the trees, If in truth ye anoint me king over you, then come and put your trust in my shadow. And if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. And then he says up here in the other verses, he says in verse 16, Now therefore, if ye have done truly and sincerely, and have made Abimelech king, and if ye have dwelt well with Jerubbabel in his house, and have done unto him according to what he deserves of his hand, he basically says to him, Listen, did you have the right motives? Is there a right reason that you put Abimelech up there? Uh, why did you have Abimelech come before you to be king? Abimelech's character is not something that's good. It's not right. Listen, Gideon fought for you. My father led you in the right ways. He's saying, now you're taking my brother who was uh, killing all his other brethren just so that he could be exalted, all these things, and now you're trusting in a bramble to lead you. 
he's saying you're trusting in this bramble, and he goes through and he makes his plea from the ledge of Mount uh, Gerizim. And I looked at that. It was a, I looked at this place up, and it said that this ledge was a natural platform on a mountain that is called Jotham's, Jotham's Pulpit. It said the acoustics in this area would have enabled the men of the city to hear all this message that he's speaking from the top. It was basically like this big area where as he spoke, it, it echoed his voice for all of them to hear. This is an area now he's speaking to them and he's comparing himself, uh, the nation of Israel to trees. And as I was reading through this, I began to think about an oak tree. What's some attributes of an oak tree that's solid and it's sturdy, right? It's, it's all of those. If we were to think of trees, uh, different trees that we come up with, oak trees, they're solid. Almond trees, I think about all that's on almond trees is nuts, right? So are we pretty nutty or are we solid? Are we firm? Are we standing in that? Uh, weeping willows, crying a lot. That's what I think of when I hear those things. We have those definitions and all these kind of things. And then we talked about that palm tree, that palm tree that even though the storms come, it doesn't uproot it. It, it, it stays and it's durable. And the more damage it's done to it, the stronger it gets and how it grows from the inside, not from the outside. And uh, all of those and evergreens, we think about evergreens, how they stay green in the midst of winter and all those things. When the snow comes, it still keeps its color and it's still doing uh, what it's supposed to do. But Jotham uses trees to make his point to the men of Shechem. This parable that we see here is one of the first parables that you find in Scripture. He's likening them to trees, and he's talking about the difference in all these. And he talks about the olive tree. He talks about the fig tree. He talks about the vine tree. And he represents these with Gideon and his 70 sons. See, the olive was very valuable for oil and food. Uh, we, we even have olive oil nowadays that we use for cooking and things like that. And the olive is very valuable uh, for oil and things of that time. The fig was a very stable crop of fruit in that time. The vine, we know, had to do with grapes and the fruit of the vine. And they used that for the wine and different things that they had of that time. And uh, they used that uh, in their gatherings and different things that they had. They were all valuable and productive. But, but all of these that he was talking about, his brothers were too busy to rule over the nation. They were just doing their own thing, worried about what, what's going on with them. But these trees had already had a king, though. See, Gideon's sons understood we don't need to reign because God's supposed to be over us. That's what Gideon was teaching his sons. Listen, the nation of Israel had it all wrong. When they wanted a judge to judge over them and they wanted a king to rule over them, they were supposed to understand that God was their king. They didn't need somebody ruling and reigning over them as king. God was their king. Oh, yes, God allows leaders to come. Just so you understand, it's the same situation as a pastor. God places a pastor, but the pastor's not the king. God's the king. God's the one that we follow after. Now, God has leadership in our life, and as we uh, follow God, then we ought to follow those leaders and things like that. But the fact of the matter is God is supposed to be king. And Jotham was telling them, listen, now you have this bramble. It was a thorn bush that grew low to the ground. It produced no fruit or very little fruit, uh, very little shade. It was good for fuel, for fire. Anytime that there was a a forest fire or a brush fire, it was because the brambles burned real good. The brambles were very uh, pointy and hard to get through. Abimelech is compared to a bramble bush. He's referred to as this bramble king. He talked about here making this bramble king over you 
In verse 15, And if the bramble said unto the kings, If in truth ye appoint me king over you, then come and put your trust in my, in my shadow. That right there is already messed up. Because the bramble's not saying put your trust in God. The bramble was saying put your trust in me. And Abimelech's trying to get them to follow him. See, he was a bramble king who had a delusion of grandeur, a delusion of, oh, well, if, I, if I'm king and I rule over them, I'm going to have all of this uh, stuff that I can prosper with and everybody's going to worship me and everybody's going to follow in my shadow and my footsteps and I'm going to have a name amongst the name of uh, amongst the nation of Israel. Jotham points out this productive person who was too busy or too who would be too busy to do good to his brother. He kills his brother. He's done all these things. He's looking for political power. He's looking for all of these things. He was a worthless person and glad to accept honor that would destroy those that he ruled. See, he wanted honor that was going to bring dishonor to the nation of Israel. That's what Abimelech wanted. He wanted to be highly lifted up and highly exalted, but in doing so, the wrath of God was going to be upon the nation of Israel. And that was the kind of person that they now have appointed king over their nation. They have now appointed Abimelech to rule over those. It talked about these cedars of Lebanon, how they were going to be burned up because of the bramble. Talked about how the bramble could burn up the cedars of Lebanon and all of those things. And listen, there was the cedars of Lebanon couldn't find any shade or security in a bramble. You think, wow, a bramble can cause that much problem. A bramble bush is something that's destructive. A bramble bush is something that would only find the destruction of fire to the nation of Israel. If you've ever watched a forest fire and there's a lot of bramble bushes around, that fire takes off like crazy. Brambles burn up really quickly. Brambles produce a fire that's hard to put out. See, Abimelech could offer no security to the Shechemites. Their security in Abimelech was insecure. Why? Because Abimelech was insecure. Abimelech, like the bramble, would be the source of their destruction. If we were to focus on what a bramble would remind us of today, it's that carnal fleshly nature. It's that flesh nature that every one of you and I have. It produces no good fruit. It produces a fruit that's not very appetizing. It may produce some little bit of fruit, but not very much. And the fruit that it does produce is not good to eat. And we have to understand, not only does a bramble produce not much fruit, but it also entangles and destroys its victim. A bramble can choke out a tough tree. A bramble can cause shade to get there. It, 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 the thorns of a bramble produce infection to the soul. And I want you to see as they, we allow our fleshly nature to rule us, it's a picture of Abimelech ruling over the nation of Israel. When we exalt our flesh nature, we lift up that bramble king inside of us, that fleshly carnal nature inside of me and inside of you. What it does, it chokes out the strength that we have to go forward. It burns with a, 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 a sinful desire inside of us and causes infection to the soul. That's what brambles do. 
In Galatians 5, verse 19 through 21, it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of which I tell which I tell you before, as I has also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, the individuals who choose to put themselves under the shadow of the flesh are being burned up like brambles. The people that try to put themselves under the shadow of the flesh and allow that flesh exalt it king over us, that bramble king inside of us, that fleshly king inside of us, we allow all that to take place. And you know what happens? Is when we do that, when we, all that, that carnal, fleshly, Attitude makes us become a backslidden Christian. And we get destroyed by the fires of our own flesh. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 through verse 15, it says this, According to the grace of God which is given unto you, or unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay. And that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet, at, yet so as by fire. Let me ask you a question. When you stand at the judgment seat of Christ, will your works go up in smoke? Because they were done for the wrong reasons. Will the works that you do, at, that when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ because you wasted your life and didn't live for the Lord, you lived a life pleasing to the flesh and exalted the bramble king inside of you is all of that going to burn up one day it talks about building on the foundation and we started talking about that in Sunday school a little bit this morning is building on a foundation you know I, I believe we're very good at building foundation we talk about how there's no foundation such as laid and that is laid which is Jesus Christ you understand he's the foundation on which we stand Christ is that solid rock. He's the foundation that we're to build upon but I think oftentimes we're the guy we stop at the foundation we get the foundation laid and we get the, uh, the foundation right, but we never build anything else on top of that foundation. We, we have the foundation or we allow others to help us build on that foundation. That's not the Word of God. We build on it based on what the world thinks about it. We build on it based on what other people say we ought to do. So we take God's foundation that we're saved by grace through faith. We get on that foundation, which is Jesus Christ. And then what kind of building do we have after that? Is it a fleshly building of gold, silver, and precious stone? Are we building this of our repertoire or our uh, social status or our bank accounts or uh, this, that, or the other? Or is that what we're trying to build? Or are we trying to build a holy, righteous, godly life for other people to see? What is it we're trying to build on that foundation? See, what the nation of Israel was looking into, what Abimelech was wanting, is Abimelech got paid that silver, and what he was wanting to do is he was wanting to build upon himself. 
He said, oh, follow after me. Put your trust in my shadow. Follow in what I'm telling you to do. He's building on this foundation, but what he's building on this foundation was something that was going to burn up. And there's things, though, that when we stand before God, you understand that we are going to find favor in God's eyes if we build in God's way. See, when we build upon the Word of God, and we not only stand upon the foundations of God's Word, but we build walls of standards, walls of separation, walls of holiness and righteous living and all of those things. Guess what we're doing? Those are not boundaries for which to confine us to jail and to prison. Those are safeguards to stop us from having the world and penetrate what God is trying to build in us. See, parents, I think oftentimes we have the foundation. We tell the young people, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to stand on Christ, but we're not going to tell you to have standards because that's up to you. We're not going to tell you to live holy, righteously, and godly because that's up to you. Listen, ultimately it is up to you, but parents, we got to put some guards up. we got to put some walls up to help keep our young people not in an entrapped environment to protect them from what's on the outside and that bramble king that wants to destroy them. The fact of the matter is, I think oftentimes we get so upset when somebody starts talking about having standards and holiness and righteousness and godly living and all these things. And you say, preacher, you're meddling into my affairs and that's none of your concern and you ought not to be talking about that. Listen, it is my concern whether the next generation or not has the right kind of examples to follow after. And it's our job as leaders in the church to set up guards and and rails for them to, to stay within these parameters. If you remember, we went through the book of Joshua, and when God uh, divided up the land from the, uh, for the Israelites, he put up boundaries for them. And see, bramble, bramble bushes, bramble kings, they, there is no boundaries. They burn up everything they touch. They choke out all that that's around them, and uh, it's hard for a tree to get life about it because of those brambles that surround it. But the fact of the matter is, if we don't allow the brambles to impenetrate our families... It helps us to see our young people doing right. Now listen, am I, am I saying that there's not ever going to be casualties? I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is we ought to be sober and be vigilant because our adversary, the devil, has a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. You know what he doesn't like? He doesn't like old-fashioned preaching. He doesn't like holiness. He doesn't like standards. He doesn't like that, that old-time religion that we find in Jeremiah 6.16 where he says, Stand ye in the way and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. We can be called fanatic. We can be called whatever you want to say. But the fact of the matter is I don't want to be guilty of standing before God. God at the judgment seat of Christ and having my works burn up in his eyes because I was worried about building on my reputation or worried about building on my social standing or worried about how many conferences I could go preach at or worried about this or worried about that. What I need to be concerned with is does the next generation have a godly example to follow after? Do they have somebody that's going to lead them not to themselves but lead them to God? And that's the kind of reputation that we need to have and stand up upon. And Jotham was talking to them about, listen, you've exalted this bramble king. You've put one of low character to be your leader. You've, you've elevated someone who's thinking about himself. And he's, he showed you that because he didn't find grace with his brethren. He killed his brethren so that he could be exalted. The carnal, fleshly, backslidden Christian... Their work one day will be destroyed by fire. 
In 1 Corinthians 3, in verse 10 through 15, it talks about that, according to the grace of God which is given unto me, that wise master builder, and we talk about what we're building thereupon and how our work's going to be built. And if we build upon the wrong kind of things, that foundation that's laid, which is Jesus Christ, and it talks about how that's all going to be burned up one day. And when, when our life is before God, will it burn up like wood, hay, and stubble at, in the eyes of God? Listen, if there's a person that does not accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're going to spend eternity in hell. That's just the way it is. They're, they're going to burn forever in, in the lake of fire. Satan is a great example of the bramble king, that flesh nature. If you follow it, guess what? You're going to burn with him. You follow after him and you don't get saved because you reject Jesus Christ as your salvation, you're going to burn that way. But listen, if you are saved and you're not living the right way, you're not doing the right kind of things, your works, the works of the flesh... You're producing a bramble king inside of you. You know what? You have been adopted into the family of God when you got saved. That means Satan's not supposed to be your king. God's supposed to be your king. Just like the nation of Israel, God was to be their king. But they chose the bramble king. They chose the Abimelech. They chose the one that was exalting himself rather than pointing them to God. And so here we are now faced in this 2019 And I want to ask you, who's your king tonight? Is it the Bramble King or is it Jesus? Which one is it? Oh, you can say, oh, Jesus is my king, really. Do your works follow? You can say Jesus is your king, but let me ask you this question. As you live your life and you evaluate the the circumstance, the Holy Spirit of God shows you in that reflective mirror that you look at spiritually, is He showing you a life that has these boundaries of standards and separation and holiness and righteousness and godliness? Oh yes, there's, there's some wickedness inside of us that we need to every day get right with God and things, but are we striving to please Him or are we exalting self? And as we look at it, you can say, oh, Jesus is my king. Really, who are you exalting? Self or God? You can say, well, I exalt God. Preacher, I'm here at church tonight. Well, just because we're in church don't mean that you're not trying to elevate yourself as the Bramble King. Because the fact of the matter is, what, what you do with the message that's brought forth determines who your king is. You say, what are you talking about? As the word of God comes forth, you either receive it or reject it. When you receive the word, guess who you're exalting? God. When you reject the word, guess who you're exalting? Self. So you either exalt God or you exalt self. When the Holy Spirit of God speaks to your heart and pinpoints that sin in your life that you need to get rid of or that thing that's that's holding you back from doing what God wants you to do, you can either give it to God and relinquish full submission to the Lord and exalt Him as your King, or you can hang on to it and say, no God, that's mine. I'm Bramble King over this area. So what we do with that determines what God will do with us. See, the fact is, God's not going to allow us to uh, exalt in certain things or or, uh, flourish in certain areas if we're not giving Him honor that He deserves. If we're not putting God in His rightful place, you know what's going to happen to us? God resists the proud. 
but giveth grace to the humble. And as I was reading through this, and I began to think about this bramble king and how it said, and devoured the cedars of Lebanon and all of these things, I thought, man, this, this parable that Jotham is speaking has so much power in it because it, it so much exposes who we let to be king in our life. It so much exposes, if we were to liken ourselves to these trees that he's talking about, and uh, who are we asking to be king in our life? Who are we trying to lift up to be king in our life? Are we exalting that bramble, that flesh that chokes us out? And we can say, oh, no, really. Well, then let me ask you this. What kind of music do you listen to? What kind of things do you watch? What kind of conversations do you have amongst your peers at work? amongst your neighbors are they holy are they honoring to the lord are they godly are they exalting him or are they exalting us are they lifting us up are we just trying to fit in with the crowd so nobody knows uh, where we really stand see the fact of the matter is there's so many things we could talk about not just in uh what we listen to or what we allow in our eyes but you understand our ears and our eyes are a window to the soul they're gateways to what happens on the inside See, there's a verse that uh, God really spoke to my heart about in Psalm 101, verse 3. It says this, I will set no wicked thing before mine eye. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. I begin to think about why, why did God so much affect me with that verse is because I understand this. A lot of times we have problems with our eyes, with what we allow to see. If you read the book of Lamentations, it says this, the eye affects the heart. The eye affects the heart. So why is it, preacher, you're just, you're just too old-fashioned talking about what we allow us to watch. We're grown-ups. We can handle it. Listen, you're no match for sin. I don't care how strong you think you are. You're no match for sin. You've heard all about how preachers have fallen because of what they've allowed come into their eyes. Not just preachers, but church members, how they have fallen because of what they've allowed to enter into their eyes and into their ears. And the fact of the matter is we are flesh just like everybody else is. But if we allow God to be king and we allow God to rule and reign in our life and we don't allow flesh, that bramble king, to stir itself up inside of us, we have a lot better chance of success. Why? Because he said, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good success. You want to be a successful Christian? Exalt God, not self. Don't let the Bramble King rule in your life. Don't let him lift yourself up. See, when you exalt self, you know who you're exalting? Satan. You're exalting Satan. Why? Because he's the prince in the power of the air. He's the father of the world. For all that's in the world is the lust of the what? Flesh. The lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And the Bible tells us not to love the world. Neither the things that are in the world. You know what that means? That God's church is not to have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not what we're supposed to love. You know what we're supposed to love? God. We're supposed to love Him. Does that mean that the lust of the flesh won't tempt us? No. Does that mean the lust of the eyes won't tempt us? No. Does that mean the pride of life is not going to tempt us? No, but listen, friend, temptation itself is not sin. It's yielding to temptation that is sin. Because Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. 
Just because you're tempted doesn't mean you have to sin. I'll tell you what makes you sin. The Bramble King. The Bramble King. When you say, hey, this is what my flesh wants, not this is what God wants. Every decision that you make in life has those two options. Does God want this or do I want this? And if you make your decision based off of what you want, you're serving the Bramble King, not the King of Kings. And I got to thinking about this, that Bramble King in our life. Listen, Jotham knew what was going on. He understood that Abimelech wasn't going to do what was right. Later on in the passage, we're not going to turn there for sake of time tonight. But later on in the passage, a man by the name of Gael raises up and he's going to try to overtake Abimelech. But his pride was exceeding great as well. Gael wanted to go against Abimelech. He says, who was Abimelech that we should serve him in the latter part, verse 28, 29, that area. He believes he can make himself bigger and more important. He lifts up himself. And you know what he is? He's a basic example of exactly, almost exactly the same thing that Abimelech is. See, Abimelech's that bramble that chokes things out, but Gale represented pride that wasn't willing to just follow and do what he's supposed to do. See, the Bible says in Psalm 30, 73, verse 6, Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. In Proverbs 11 and verse 2, it said, When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. Proverbs 16, 18, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. See, Gael had a, he was one of the Shechemites, and his, uh, his pride led him to disaster and failure as well. See, God puts these things in Scripture on purpose to teach us some things. You understand there's never a good outcome when the Bramble King rules. Never a good outcome. You know what ends up happening? It gets burned by fire. It gets burned up. You know what? You can live for gold, silver, precious stone. You can live for all that the world has to offer. But if you live for that, your life is in vain. It's in vain. You know why? Because you can't take your bank account to heaven with you. I heard a missionary say one time, and this really stuck to my heart, it said this, if you're going to lay up treasures in heaven, you need to invest in what's going to heaven. And what is that? People. People. So let me ask you this, what if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? What happens if you gain the social standing that you're looking for, mom and dad, and you gain that bank account and that uh, 401k and all that stuff that you have, but your children turn from God? Have you succeeded? Oh, they may become doctors and lawyers. They may become politicians. By the way, I have my own opinion about politicians. Poly is the word many. Ticks are bloodsuckers. Put them together and what do you have? Many bloodsuckers. Okay, that's a side note there. That's not Bible. That's Dan Caldwell's philosophy on that one, okay? But the fact of the matter is this. We, we try to think that what makes us good parents is that our kids have a good education and a good outcome as far as their education all that i'm not against education i think kids ought to be educated i think that's great 
But if they become doctors and they become lawyers and they become uh, high-ranking officials, but yet they don't love God and they don't know God and all they're living for is the things of the world, we've not succeeded. We've not succeeded. And you know why the stadiums can be full on Sunday? You know why the concerts are full? You know why all that? Because the Bramble King has a good following. But the King of Kings, where are they? He said, I sought for a man among them that would make up a hedge and stand in the gap. But I found none. What a sad statement. Because you know what? The Bramble King doesn't have any trouble finding followers. Because that's what it exalt. That's what we like to exalt. But I'm here to tell you tonight, the decision you make this evening, am I going to serve God or am I going to serve self? That will determine who your God is. You can say, well, preacher, I, I don't really struggle in this area. Maybe you just ought to ask God for continued strength to keep on. Keep on going for him. Because that Bramble King's not going to rest. He's going to stare you in the face every day. You're going to look at him in the mirror when you wake up in the morning. You're going to have to make a decision. Do I serve the Bramble King and not study my Bible this morning? Or do I serve the King of Kings and go to him and seek him and find him? Do I pray today or do I serve the Bramble King because I got too many things to do? Oh, I got work tomorrow. Am I going to uh, give myself to my job and all these things and neglect the things of God? Listen, you ought to be the best worker you can be. You ought to devote yourself to your job and let everybody understand what it's like, what Christian uh, character is all about. But if you do all your best to please your employer, but you don't please your Savior, you've got things backwards. Listen, we just need to get a, just a renewed sense of who is our king. This Christmas season, they were shouting glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So I wonder tonight, is God exalted in your life where he needs to be? Or is the Bramble King ruling? That flesh, that Abimelech inside of us that chokes us out and ends up burning us with fire. Oh, you may not burn forever in the lake of fire because you're saved. But all the works, when you stand at that judgment seat of Christ, God's going to say, these weren't done for me. Did you know that you can do good works in the name of the Bramble King? Did you know that? Did you know that you can teach a Sunday school class in the name of the Bramble King? Did you know that you can sing a special in church in the name of the Bramble King? Because you're doing it for the wrong reasons and the wrong motives. You're doing it to exalt the flesh, not lift up God. Did you know you can get behind a pulpit and preach a message that exalts the Bramble King? You know what we need to do is take a soul evaluation tonight. Who are we serving and why? Are we serving the King of Kings for the right reasons? Oh, we might be doing some good actions and good works for the cause of Christ. Are we doing them, though, for Him, or are we doing them so people look at us and say, wow, they're somebody. Because if you do it for people to notice you, you're exalting the Bramble King. But if you do it so that people notice God, 
That's the way God intends it to be. With our heads bowed and eyes closed,